What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work. That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 152 as we chat with copywriter and serial podcast pitcher May Kay Sang about how she became a copywriter, the results she's seen from pitching 100 podcasts and what she's learned from the experience, dealing with rejection, and what it takes to make a pivot in business. Hey, welcome. Hey, McKay. Hey, guys. Oh, my God. You have no idea how excited I am to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> We're excited, too. So um, you are a member of our Think Tank Mastermind. So we've been working very closely with you over the last uh, few months. And we know that you've been very busy pitching podcasts and not just pitching a couple of podcasts, but pitching a lot of podcasts. So we're really excited to dig into what you've been up to and hear more about your experience. Uh, But before we start with that, let's just kick it off with your story. How did you get into copywriting and even podcasting? Mm. Oh, yes. So I've I've talked about this story quite a few times now because of all the podcast pitching and actually landing some interviews. So hopefully it's a lot more succinct. <laughs> so um, I was the um, I was the girl who went to university and instead of um, following through with the whole system and just going all into whatever I studied on day one of my university degree, I every fiber of my being was telling me, Meike, this isn't for you. That really crushed me because I worked really hard to get into this university and to please my parents as well and to study a subject that I was really passionate about, which was psychology. So I do have a psychology degree under my belt, but it's just it kind of all went wrong basically on day one. And I stuck with it because I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but um, there was a time in the UK where our university fees tripled. And my academic year was the last one before it tripled. So I paid 3K a year and my partner, who's an academic year lower, and paid 9K a year, which is crazy. <laughs> so you can imagine how I felt obligated to follow through. And I did. So I went through with it anyway. But actually, around my second year of university, I was in an abusive relationship. And being in that situation, it just really took me to rock bottom But there's this actual beauty in that um, because it really actually showed me how much I'd been coasting at that point in my life where I just kind of let life control me instead of vice versa. And so I really picked myself up out out of that dark pit and I took care of myself, my mental health and my physical health. And actually through that process, uh, through the power of Facebook ads, (laughs) I was targeted really well um, by this coaching school. And it was everything that I wanted to do. So I wanted to do, you know, traditional psychology and everything. But just the way that I was taught, it just really taught us to see human beings like test subjects as if they're on a scale. And I didn't want that. I wanted to help embrace the individual difference and just just really look at the individual. And that's what coaching was to me. And the thing is, as a coach, I was great at coaching, but I was really sucky at sales and marketing. So that's the story of many coaches that I know personally. So we all walk out, uh, you know, with the same uh, certification, but we have no, no way to distinguish ourselves. 
And so that's where I found myself struggling as a coach. And then through um, learning through, through some online influencers, there was actually one in the UK who I was really drawn to. And I was in his community of over 10,000 people. And he ran this challenge, the seven day challenge of overcoming your fears. And I want, I went all in because I wanted to win the grand prize of working with him for one year as his mentee. And this is how I got into copywriting. It was very organic the way that it came about. So four months into this mentorship, it actually turned into an internship where he hired me to be a part of his team. I was his first team member and we did 13 live launches together and I picked up every skill under the sun that I needed to know in order to run this business. And around the one year mark, when uh, we were just reviewing the year together, he just told me, Meike, I really feel that you're an entrepreneur, not an intrapreneur. And I really feel that if you were to go all in to running your own business again as a copywriter, I know you'll be successful. And that's how I started my business. And the reason why I'm super excited to be on this podcast is because when I wanted to know more about what it took to be a successful copywriter, I learned about the Copywriter Club. And I listened to your podcast and it's crazy that just over a year later, here I am um, on this right now. So it's amazing how it came back full circle. It is a little crazy, uh, but you bring a lot to the table. I, you know, Before we jump into your uh, shift from you know, what you were doing before into copywriting and what you're doing now, let's talk a little bit about what you did with psychology. You know, what did you learn from psychology that you apply to copywriting and to reaching out to clients today? So it's actually a combination of, um, I think because psychology as a subject is very broad and the way that I was taught it at university actually, it's not actually beneficial because um, I did a project on fruit bats and deers when they were in the rut. So I don't think that's going to be super helpful (laughs) when it comes to copywriting and launching, but psychology in itself. And when I applied some coaching aspects to it, that's actually what's really helped me because a lot of the time when we work with our clients, we need to understand how to get Um, just to really understand what they are looking for. And it really helps on the sales calls before you even close a client. And as well as when you actually get down to writing the copy, it's all about thinking from a place of empathy. And I really feel that that is missing a lot of the time. And I can't actually pinpoint a specific uh, psychological phenomenon or anything like that right now. But all I know is that my experience um, in coaching and just applying um, just some things that I've learned from psychology is just like meeting the person where they're at and actually helping them to guide them to where they want to go. And it's all about being able to empower them to make the right decision for themselves instead of forcing them. Because if we write copy that kind of makes people feel like they're trapped in a corner, they're they're more likely to buy and then have buyer's remorse immediately because they were just bought for the wrong reasons. And so if we are able to meet them where they're at and just to help them understand their individuality, what their needs are, what their core values are and what really drives them, I found that to be a much more empowering way to write copy for launches um, in particular because that's my area. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say for that. And you didn't learn that from Fruit Bats? <laughs> no, not Fruit Bats, unfortunately. <laughs> like um, I, I got an A on that project, but I think that helps with my copywriting career. <laughs> So you mentioned this seven-day challenge overcoming your fears and that you won it, which is a big deal. So I I have to hear more about how you actually won this challenge. What did you do to overcome your fears um, that helped you win the whole thing? Oh, yeah. So... 
The thing is, um, so this uh, group, a lot of, it was a very, very, very active group. And I thought, oh my gosh, I need to do some big things in order to make an impact um, you know, on the leader here. But then quickly after day one, I just saw that this challenge really wasn't about me. It was about how I was able to help others to see the possibility in themselves, which was it was really beautiful to watch so I just thought about fears that if I overcame them like how can it help other people so my first fear was all about self-acceptance so my what I did is um, I put on a full face of makeup and then I turned on my Facebook live Um, so I was going live in this group of 10,000 people people who I did not know (laughs) so I had no idea how that was going to react and then I wound up um, taking some makeup wipes and just wiping my makeup off um, just for some just to really emphasize that I was actually scared of how they would view me when I didn't have makeup on because for me makeup was like it was a mask for me and if if people saw what was really behind there I didn't think that they'd accept me so that's what I was ta- that's why I was talking about self-acceptance and self-love and how it's something we have to consciously practice and that one in particular made such a huge impact on people and then I had some girls reach out to me in that group saying like wow you know I want to do the same. And then it started off a ripple effect. And that's when I saw like, you know, it really is um, about helping more people than just yourself with your own fears. And I can I can pretty much recall every single, um, <laughs> every fear that I ever came. So just a uh, quick note. Um, so the second day I quit my day job because I wanted to go all in for my coaching career. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm just, I, I need to go all in because if I have a safety net, I'm, I'm not going to do things properly. So that's just my style um day three I talked in depth about my abusive relationship day four I was um so when I say something that I'm gonna do and then I don't keep up to it I just feel like I'm on a hide under a rock so I had to publicly admit when something went wrong when I said I would do it so that was just like you know owning up to the fact that you know everyone held me accountable and I just didn't follow through and that makes me feel super embarrassed and that is a huge fear of mine day five was my favorite by far and this is when I got a group of guys in corporate suits to dance to the Gangnam Style with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fun, so fun. And um, day six on a, on a Saturday, I talked about um, the reality behind getting a formal degree in psychology and actually not really running with it because I felt super ashamed that I worked so hard for like pretty much my whole life to get to a point where I just actually didn't run with psychology so I felt super embarrassed about that and day seven was all about my relationship that I have right now that's that's totally cool (laughs) (laughs) that's that's quite a week that you had there yes Yes, it was. And um, no one could really match me around that point. And I, I don't mean to say that, you know, with a big, big head or anything, but I don't think um, many people were that willing to dig so deep into themselves and then to literally put themselves out there in such a raw way, because these are some real fears I've had brewing for years. Um, and I just thought, you know, what? if it helps me and if it helps someone else, that's all I care about. And the leader really saw my intention wasn't just for me about winning the mentorship, even though that was my primary drive, but it wasn't the whole thing. And uh, yeah, so I wound up winning. <laughs> Aside from winning the mentorship, did putting all of this stuff out there have an, any other impact or effect on your personal life or your business life and what you were doing? Yes, 100%. So um, when I overcame these fears, I just showed myself how it was kind of like letting go of a weight um, that was been on my heart or in my mind for like some of these fears have been in my in my body and my mind for decades you know um, and 
it's just amazing how just being willing to try that's all that matters to me and when I was working with this mentor um, I just really learned firsthand the power of just trying and not being afraid to um, fail because I think especially when you're a new business owner you don't want to be perceived as anything less than amazing but the thing is when you don't have that much to show for it at the beginning, you don't want to get anything wrong. But this mentality, it just kind of, um, it just created a habit of mine to try regardless of the results and just knowing that there's always something good to come out of it. Even if it's not what you originally thought, it's just something for you to learn from. And it's just been an amazing, um, you know, thought process. So any launch, if it fails, what did I do wrong? What could I do better? You know, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, it's just given me this um, platform. It's almost like wiping the canvas every single time I would start a new project. And I think it's just a healthy mentality to go into, especially if you're in business. So you mentioned that you sucked at sales and marketing, and I think that was your language that you used when you were becoming <laughs> becoming a coach and trying to put yourself out there. So how have you worked on that over, you know, since then so that you can sell yourself and your services and you can market yourself? Um, what have you done and what advice would you give to other copywriters who struggle with sales and marketing? So I said I sucked at sales and marketing. And yes, that was the language I used. <laughs> And it's because the sales process, I attach too much of it to my own self-worth. And especially if you're a personal brand and you're a one woman or one man show, it's all on you. And so it's very easy to fall into that mindset of like, oh, it's all about me. Um, If someone rejects me, it's because I'm not good enough. So it actually just made me super aware of my own mindset blocks and my own negative attachments to the word sales and marketing, when really it's an opportunity for us to help people. But most of us don't see it that way. We think of that used car salesman (laughs) a lot of the time when we think of sales, like for those who haven't trained into it. And so they want to help people. They're focusing on helping because they feel it's almost selfish to want to sell and to earn money from people who are in pain. But that is not the case because um, I can't remember who I spoke about this with the other day, but we spoke about, oh, yes, my friend who's he has like three super successful businesses. And we're talking about um, the mentee mentality, like a really bad mentee mentality when, um, you know, mentees expect you to do all the work instead of um, uh, them, like putting in some of the work, you know, they just kind of shift responsibility to somebody else. And I feel like that is a big problem. Um, especially when you're you're looking to hire mentors because you're you're again, you're trying to hide from something. So marketing and sales, like I've actually learned firsthand how to do it the right way because when I worked with my mentor, he taught me one-on-one sales because I had to get onto sales interviews to um sell some um some slots in his coaching programs or something like that. And at first I just saw the impact of my own self-worth um, and how that really crippled a lot of the sales at the beginning. And and then he actually watched back on these recordings and he gave me feedback. He was like, mate, you know, don't make this about you and your self-worth. Think of the person in front of you. So shifting from a what's in it for me mentality when I'm thinking about the commission, I'm thinking about verbal praise from my boss or something like that. You know, that was what I was thinking about, but it's the conscious shift to make it about the person in front of you. And that has been something that I've just carried through my entire life and business. I use it in my personal and professional life. Um, just thinking what's in it for them, what's in it for them. And that has been the singular most powerful shift that I have made um, in my life. And it's just, it's never failed me ever since I started thinking that way. 
Let's fast forward a little bit to uh, you starting your business as a copywriter. What did you do to get started? How did you find your first clients? You know, how did you, you, you mentioned all the launch projects that you're working on really before you went out on your own, but uh, what did it take to really launch your business? To be honest, um, I thank my past self because um, around the time when I was just coming out as a coach, I went to a lot of live events in London. So I built up a um, offline network. And of course, a lot of us were um, connected on Facebook. And so when I decided to venture out on my own, and I, I literally just made an announcement with a new photo that I had taken from a professional photo shoot and I just spoke about the journey and because I was associated with my mentor um he really put me um he really gave me a foot forward like I was on his platform so people knew me as an authority figure already so actually that really helped me that I had that connection and he vouched to me he gave me an incredible testimonial um so that I could run with that and how I got my first clients was making that announcement and suddenly I was getting tagged in so many um so many posts saying like oh I'm looking for a copywriter do you know anyone and then my network would be like oh yeah make <laughs> and they would tag me and I just thought like wow this is amazing and this is the power of just putting yourself out there even if you don't have everything figured out that's okay because you'll figure it out on the way but if you try to perfect everything behind the scenes and no one sees it and then you come out when everything's perfect you would have missed a lot of opportunity so um, when I just got started out um, I just got referrals pretty much straight away they're like oh my god I need a copywriter and so I worked on a lot of projects and it took me some time to figure out what I needed to do um, but at the beginning I kind of like took on anything and it just really quickly showed me how I want to serve my clients through launches instead of just um, website copy um, like I do like doing that but um, because of my experience in launches, that's really just drove me to focus on this particular space. And this is getting micro here, but you said your announcement um, and, you know, for a newer copywriter that maybe hasn't made an announcement is still kind of working through this transition. Can you just break down what you mean by the announcement and what actually went into that, who you sent it to? Because um, this could be really useful for someone who needs to do this. Uh, I wish I had a really like sophisticated like announcement like framework or something but I literally just changed my profile picture <laughs> on Facebook and I just wrote about the journey of that previous year of how um, I learned so much from public speaking from coaching from being on video and being on this platform serving like um, I don't know over like a hundred thousand people from all of the people I've actually managed to interact with um, in a group on a webinar or individually and um, through my mentor and then I just showed and talked about um, how all of that impact has um, driven me to want to do um, an even bigger impact on my own business and because of these new super strengths that I managed to find and that were uh, made clear to me when I worked with him so I literally just um, changed my profile picture make it super professional if you can um, it doesn't have to be a professional photo shoot but something more than just a selfie where you can tell that you are taking the, your own picture <laughs> um, so for me I think the positioning really helped um, from that photo shoot for sure but I was just open and honest I wasn't looking for anything and I think that was the point I I didn't do that to get clients. I did it just to share a part of the journey because people like to learn behind the scenes. So if it's a, if a new copywriter is listening to this right now and, and if you haven't um, announced that, just try it. Just You never know who you are going to impact just from that one announcement. And so if you're just able to put yourself out there first and then people are naturally going to get to know you as you keep doing that. But just 
doing it once and never again isn't really going to help you in the long run. So just like getting used to talking about yourself, because I know that most copywriters don't love doing that. And I didn't love it at first, but it just showed me how much I was restricting myself and the impact that I could make by thinking that it was selfish um, to do so. But that is not the case. Yeah, I really like your emphasis on that announcement and getting your network involved. I think so many people, when they just are getting started, they're hiding because either they feel like maybe they're not um, worthy of you know people talking about them as a full-fledged copywriter, or maybe they don't feel like they've got the experience. And, and like you said, hiding until you're ready, you lose all of these opportunities and uh, your network, the people that you know, you know, when we think about networks, we're often thinking about our business relationships, but, you know, letting friends know, letting family know, letting everybody know that you're doing this thing can be such a huge you know, step forward for your business. So I, I really like that uh, emphasis. So a question for you then, um, we hinted at the idea that you have been pitching podcasts lately. Tell us about the 100 podcast pitch that you've been working on over the last uh, month and a half or so. Now, here we go. <laughs> and I love that that was a beautiful segue from, you know, about showing up. Uh, even if you're ready or not ready sort of thing. So actually, it's 101 uh, podcast pitches. And so basically, this all happened very, very organically. So one of my clients was launching, um, you know, her new offer. And I know that she didn't have a huge audience, nor was she really ready to invest in Facebook ads or any sort of ads whatsoever. So she was really relying on organic reach. And I told her, I was like, okay, you can do that, but you may not be able to get the reach that you are looking for, especially for your launch. So I just said willy nilly one day, I just said, hey, how about you, you know, pitch to podcasts and guest on them? Because I, I already knew the power of podcasting at that point as a consumer and how you are able to very quickly um, develop the no like and trust factor if you just listen to somebody for like an hour. I mean, that's how, um, you know, I was in that, how I've invested in you guys in the think tank and in the underground because you built the trust um, because you just showed up consistently and you're able to just, you know, show your expertise. And I thought, oh yeah, I love podcasting. So let's see what it's like on the other end if you are the guest. And then I felt a slight twinge of incongruency because I thought, I thought to myself, Meike, you can't be recommending your client that if you haven't even done it yourself. And then I thought, okay, how about I challenge myself? And from the seven day challenge I did a couple years back, it just showed me how powerful challenges are for me personally. They really drive me. And um, I wanted to do something big, you know, go, go big or go home <laughs> sort of thing. And basically I wound up picking um, 101 podcasts to pitch to. And I've learned so much through that process and I can't wait to break down some of the, um, you know, gems uh, for those who are listening right now. And it's just been a lot. But let me just say that, you know, I did this originally for my client and I quickly learned through that process how I, I kind of had to admit that I was relying too much on my network um, to get referrals. And while referrals are super strong because, you know, no like and trust factor is already there if someone's actually personally recommending you. I didn't want to keep exhausting my network, um, you know, to keep asking for referrals or anything like that. And I felt like I, it was really time for me to show up um, and to build my authority, my 
by myself instead of just relying on other people. So I wanted to take a very proactive approach and take ownership of lead generation. And that's how I found um, this was the case um, as a result of being on all these podcasts. So um, so let me know uh, when you want to dig into the lessons and what you would like to know. <laughs> Let's do it. We do want to dig in. So, and it's not just 101 podcasts, it's 101 podcasts over 30 days. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's not like over a year. This is intense <laughs> and extreme. What I've noticed about you is you go all in and um, you, you like that intensity. It seems like at least. Um, so let's talk about first, you know, the biggest struggle or challenge you had over those 30 days pitching. Oh, so the biggest struggle struggles rather is definitely uh, more than one struggle but first of all I didn't know how to research um, what kind of podcast to be on that's that's one struggle the second struggle was how to even write the pitch and three how to combat the imposter syndrome or rather imposter complex as Tanya Geisel says I had imposter complex come up on day three when I was just about to send my first pitch because um the first few days it was mainly about researching and then I just had to write the pitch but then I just had a huge roadblock in actually sending it and it just showed me like oh my gosh there's still a lot of mindset blocks that I had to overcome in order to do it and um so yeah with the first struggle about researching I I had no idea like how to even get that many but I've actually done some research and there's over 700,000 active podcasts and so I I couldn't make that excuse that there wasn't enough (laughs) Um, so I just did something super simple so um, I looked at my favorite podcast and I literally looked them up in iTunes and then as you scroll to the bottom you actually see um, you know, listeners also listen to these podcasts. And I, so I thought, if I love these podcasts and I want to reach the same audience, then clearly there must be some connection here. So that's how I actually started doing it. And then I started to expand a bit more. I noticed that a couple of my copywriting peers also appearing on podcasts. So I'd pay attention to that. So I thought to myself, hmm, this podcast is interested in copywriting. What is a new um, spin? What what new thing could I bring to the table for this podcast host, considering that copywriting has already been on the table? So it's just like adding a new flavor to the cupcake batch sort of thing. <laughs> um, so. so let me let me ask about that, though, uh, and sorry to interrupt, but when you say new thing, you're not inventing something mm-hmm. new about copywriting. You're talking about something that maybe hasn't been talked about on the show before, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So that's the beauty of it, that we never have to come up with every, anything brand new it's just a new spin or a new perspective so for an example uh, one copywriter um, who's in the underground actually uh, she talked about um, the anatomy of a high converting sales page so I knew not to write my pitch about a sales page instead I talked about the whole overall process of launching and then the host was super interested in the mindset piece and that's something that I knew that I could cover because of my coaching background and because I've worked with clients who have launched before so it just made total sense Um, but yeah Okay. And let's talk about, yeah, let's continue to dig into that. Um, What was the next one? Nailing the pitch? Yes. So nailing the pitch. Oh my goodness. So I actually had to thank uh, both of you for helping me out with my pitch (laughs) because you really helped me to form my own pitch template. But actually before all of that, I have to be honest that my first pitch was also my first rejection. And looking back, I can totally see why. Um, I I just cringe at myself (laughs) um, for writing such an awful pitch. And actually, I can read it out if you're interested, because I did. 
um, I did find it before this uh, before we went on air. Do you want me to read it out? <laughs> of course. We, we always want to see the dark underbelly of failure. Let's, let's read it. Oh, okay. So I'm going to blank out this person's name. So I'm going to say, hi, X. Are you currently taking guests for your podcast? I'm a launch strategist and conversion copywriter, and I'd love to be able to share my insights on how to build your authority as a small business owner, especially during times of launching. I'm currently conducting a challenge of also pitching to 101 podcasts as well, and I'm happy to break that process down if you feel it be beneficial for your audience. If it resonates with you at all, I would love to hear from you. If not, no worries, and wishing you all the best and can't wait to see what you do with your 100th episode. So he had his 100th episode coming out. All the best, AK. And oh god, just reading that out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> is it painful to read it? it so it actually is. Let's talk about what happened then. What was what was his response? If you don't mind sharing, and and then beyond his response, can you just talk about like what you did wrong in that pitch? Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So his response really it really hit me straight in the gut, and because. I actually didn't feel good sending out that pitch anyway. Um, but actually, I was following someone else's template. Um, and I thought, okay, let me try because um, I don't know what's good or bad right now. So I followed another template and I realized that, oh, I can see why he reacted the way he did. So he said to me, he was actually very kind. He said, oh, hi, Meike. Thank you for getting in touch. Um, you know, right now I'm not looking for um, launch strategists um, or copywriting to come onto the podcast, but I have to say, and this is where it gets, oh my gosh, it gets super cringy, super embarrassed um, on the spot. And I have to say that, you know, podcast hosts, they like feeling special and, you know, to for you to say that um, you're doing this challenge of pitching to this many, it just really makes us feel like we're a number. And I thought, oh my God, I feel, I, I felt awful just like getting that feedback but it was really good feedback and he did say you know oh thank you you know for considering anyway but this is not what I'm looking for and um definitely the thing that made this the worst pitch ever <laughs> was the fact that first of all it was too straightforward um like you, you should be like straightforward like people should know it's a pitch that you're doing but you there needs to be some sort of buttering up around that point I'm happy to go for a good pitch in just a second but the thing is that it was too straightforward it was too like oh this is this here's what I can do for you and it was all about me it wasn't about him or his audience even though I mentioned about oh if you feel it could be beneficial for your audience that wasn't enough and so there was small personal references there but it was really minimal relevancy for him too so that's what made it uh, absolute no for this pitch and I'm so thankful that this was my first um, rejection and my first pitch because thanks to his feedback I suddenly knew what I had to do I had to follow my gut not a template that I didn't agree with and so um, I, then I started to work on a pitch and I sent it to you guys and you gave me feedback and when I showed this um, rejection to you guys you're like yeah don't don't mention the challenge <laughs> and so I didn't uh, wind up mentioning anymore <laughs> So how do you come back, you know, because I know behind the scenes that you were pretty bummed after getting that rejection, right? I mean, we all are after getting a rejection, especially when you're excited and kicking this off. So what did you kind of have to do mindset wise to deal with the imposter complex kicking in and the rejection that you felt so that you could continue your challenge and continue to pitch? 
Yeah, so first of all, um, I shared this struggle um, in the think tank and all of you guys, um, some more than others, were pretty much telling me what I did wrong. <laughs> and I loved that, you know, that it was very straightforward, like, oh, Maker, okay, you really shouldn't have said this, you should have done this and so that. So actually getting that live feedback from people, um, that really helped. But I also knew that um, every time I quote unquote um, ignore my intuition, things just never go right for me. So you know, about going to university day one when every fiber of my being was telling me it was wrong, I still stuck with it. And so whenever I follow through on something just because I feel like I have to, instead of listening to in my intuition, that normally that's normally a really bad sign for me that something's about to go wrong. And it did. So I just thought to myself, do you know what, Meike? Don't send any out, out any more pictures unless you've actually feel good and you actually feel like you're delivering value to somebody. So I, first of all, I had to just acknowledge that I just did something wrong and um that I just didn't honor my my values basically and so that, that was pretty tough actually to get through that and when it came to the imposter complex I had to understand like why did this get triggered so obviously because I got a rejection I thought well obviously he thinks I'm not good enough in order to do so but that's actually not true we tell ourselves lies and often for protection um like if I believe that lie that you know that I wasn't worthy enough it's just because my mind is trying to protect me from future hurt, from future rejection. So I had to acknowledge that, that my body is going to react that way. It's going to say, say things to protect me in the long run because it doesn't want me to venture into the unknown or to get hurt. Um, so I had just had to say, you know, thank you, mind. I literally say this, like, thank you, mind. Thank you, body, for, you know, saying this for me. But I feel this is the right way to go. So it's all about acknowledging every single fear and every single feeling that comes up and understanding where it comes from. And actually that really helped to alleviate a lot of the pressure. And because I had your help to really help refine a, a much more valuable pitch, then I was able to send them all out. And this is what has allowed me to create this statistic of getting one yes in every three pitches I've sent in this challenge. And I've, I almost have too many interviews and that's such a quality problem, <laughs> but um, I didn't expect it. But it just goes to show that the theme that was running in my pitch template was all about providing value and being audience focused. And I can read out a good pitch if you would be so inclined, but if not, that, that's cool. <laughs> yep. Let's do that. Let's, let's talk about the good pitch and what you did differently in order to, to be able to have that kind of success. Sure. So I'm going to blank out this person's name as well, but, um, she loved, and, and actually I do need to preface this a little bit. So, um, she actually told me, um, because her podcast has over 200 episodes. So she's been in the game for quite some time. And she said, to be honest, um, the numbers that you have, like, so for my email list and my social media following, she said, to be honest, normally we wouldn't accept a guest who ha who doesn't meet our minimal requirements. And I thought, oh, they're already stabbing the gut. <laughs> <laughs> so she said that, but she said, but your pitch was so good that my team had, they, they, they absolutely loved your pitch and they told me like, hey, you have to have Make A on because her pitch is so good. And so, um, yeah, I was just super um, intrigued by that. I thought, wow, like a really good pitch can override their their requirements that they normally have for a guest. So that's powerful. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This is gonna this is gonna have to be the best pitch ever. I already oh, I, I already oh. read it, but I'm still like, you know, what does this pitch say? This must be magic. So tell us. 
Oh my god. Okay, I really hope that this is going to follow through. Um, so it said, "Hey, blank," because I'm not going to say her name. So, "Hey, blank." My name is Meke Thang, and I'm a fellow dancing cat giffies enthusiast and podcaster. I wanted to reach out to you today to ask if you'd be interested in chatting with a launch strategist and conversion copywriter on your show, all about understanding your courage to convert level and how it will help you to fully show up and make more sales in a crowded marketplace. How does this work? Well, I helped one of my top clients with this and we did 13 launches in just one year. And yeah, you pick up a lot of stuff when you're deep in the trenches for live launches. And um, number one lesson, unless your team is ready to crank out 14 hour days for an entire year, probably not the wisest decision. But hey, that up and close personal experience showed me how to sell out my clients group programs in a very competitive market, which is to first personal development. And we still managed to net multiple five figures each time. Yay! So I understand that your podcast is all about helping your potties, and what a cute nickname, um, that's what she has for our audience, um, uh, helping your potties skyrocket their sales. So here are some topics we can tackle. The biggest underutilized area of a launch that is costing sales big time. Brand DNA, why is it so important in launching, and three practical ways to discover it. The courage to convert relationship. The five levels of courage and entrepreneurship which impact our conversion rates. But of course, I'm totally open to your own spins and angles to best suit your audience. And whether or not I'm a good fit, I truly wish you all the continued success for your show. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you too. And if you want to hear what my voice is like, pinky promise, I don't sound like nails on a chalkboard, or so I'm told. Here's the link. So I sent a link to my podcast. All the best, make a sang. P.S. I loved episode blah 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 about what's going on with pricing and the duo that you had with Jessica um, Rhodes on podcast pitching too. Your integrity and awesome laughs really came through and prompted me to write a five-star review on the spot. PPS and this was the this was the kicker okay. <laughs> PPS. Speaking of voices I can imitate the voice of Stitch from Lilo and Stitch which I'm happy to demo for you if we do get to have a chat. Smiley face. That's awesome. And, and because you also sent a pitch to us, like I know how personalized that is because it's very different from what you wrote to us. And so, you know, as I think about this, the process of pitching 101 podcasts and going to that level of personalization and really thinking through like, what does the audience need? This is a ton of work. It is. <laughs> um, but I've, I've really been able to um, just narrow down the process and where to find these gems and where to find these nuggets of wisdom. Um, you know, that I can put into the pitch because um, I know that when I sent a pitch to um, you guys, Robin Kira, um, you know, I made sure to include like, oh, by the way, I think you know me. I'm one of your students in the think tank and the underground and everything like that. And it's just because like, I know you guys, but I didn't want to take advantage of our relationship as mentee mentors sort of thing. And because I see you guys as my friends as well, but I didn't want to abuse that. I still wanted to you guys to feel as if I can actually bring value to your audience, um, you know, on the TCC podcast and beyond. So that's why I wanted to make sure it needs to be value rich and audience focused for sure. So, so can you talk a little bit about how you find the little things that you add in to make it so personal? You know, are you, are you going to websites? Are you listening to podcasts? Like how do you find that stuff so that you can connect with the host in a really human way? Mm, yes. So I go to their website first and normally their social media. So I go onto the social media channel that I'm the most active on, which is Instagram. And typically they are super active on there too. Not always, but I always go to at least one social media platform. And normally you can tell what 
they're into if you just scroll through their feed and you actually click on some of the um, some of their posts and you see what they say because it's really going to tell them more about their personal lives really so I knew that um, this host in particular she loves dancing cat giffies because that's on her contact section of her website so I knew that about her and when it came to um, the reference to one of her episodes you know I listened to an episode and I just want to say that because I had to pitch to 101 podcasts I didn't have time to listen to three episodes per person that would take me forever <laughs> um, but so it's not actually a prerequisite like some more experienced podcasters especially ones who have at least 100 episodes they do appreciate um if you have listened to an episode, so at least they know that you care and you understand about their show. Um, but what I do instead is if I didn't have all of that time to do so, I, I can pretty much gauge what they value from their episode topics as well as their podcast description. So all of that information is actually readily available to us. And that is how I find the gems. Okay. So I want to hear more about not only those gems, but why this winning pitch, like, let's break down why it did work. I mean, I can, I can already notice a couple of the components that made it work. Um, you know, the fact that you added as a PPS that you already gave them a review, you gave, you spent the time to give them a, a review, which is a pain to do that for most people. Um, that's huge. So you're basically saying like, I've already invested and given you something, um, which really, you know, makes them feel good. And like Rob said, the personalization with those little details, you were humorous and mentioned the voice of Stitch. So you created curiosity where um, everybody wants to hear you uh, have the voice of, or create the voice of Stitch. What else, though, do you think made this work? So I've actually asked um, hosts. So after I get a yes from somebody, I've actually asked them um, firsthand what they actually value in a pitch. So I can actually read you five of the most common ones, if that would be helpful. Yeah, let's hear a couple of them anyway. So the first one is, I can tell you actually listen to the show. And for us, that means a lot. So that was one of them. Two, and this is a really big one, by the way, the second one, you gave me ideas of what we can talk about for an episode of the podcast instead of expecting me to come up with them. Like, I think that's the biggest one. I should have left that one to last. <laughs> Um, but the other one was, oh, your approach was friendly and you didn't expect a yes. Uh, the fourth one, you added little personal touches so I could tell we would really get along. And finally, you have a professional mic, which really helps. I've had people on the show show up to an interview with just their earphones and we've had to cancel their interview. <laughs> yeah and that's that's really an important one and that was your ps you said in case you want to hear my voice um to make sure i sound okay i mean that's that's really important because people do want to hear that you've been on other podcasts or that you have a youtube channel that you know how to speak well and that you've taken the time to um really build this out so i think that's really important okay before we move on we need to hear your voice of stitch so can we hear you oh my god <laughs> <laughs> okay I can so you tell me have I not done this in real life for you guys I'm pretty sure I have you have yeah. well, but you haven't well you know I, well I think that everyone should come to TCC IRL 2020 and then I will be there so people can come up and ask me so it's just a little thing there <laughs> I will be there thank you for plugging our event okay I felt so much FOMO this year when I missed out just saying <laughs> 
So, McKay, let's talk about what you're doing with all of the things then that you've learned because you're not just keeping this to yourself. You're actually, you're actually sharing this with uh, at least a few people. Talk about the uh, thing that you're building out of this experience. Yeah, so I have had so much fun um, actually going through this process and I didn't understand how much people struggled in the four four different areas that I like to focus on. Um, when it comes to podcast pitching, is things like crafting your messaging, understanding your mindset, crafting the actual pitch and how to actually rock the interview because even if you've gotten a, gr- a great pitch you got a yes what if you screw up <laughs> you know so actually I'm so excited to actually be launching my own group program where I'll be taking a small handful of awesome folks who are ready to use um, guesting on podcasts as a part of their marketing strategy to take them from the process from A to Z uh, just through the entire process. So I'm really, really excited about that. And um, I'm actually going to be starting off with a masterclass. So it's all about crafting this yes pitch. So basically what I shared with you guys today and actually giving like visual examples and annotations of the pictures that I've sent out <laughs> and the responses that I've gotten from them, because I think there's not a lot of transparency with the pictures that didn't quite go so well. So I want to just be super upfront and honest, like, hey, I have not done this perfectly. I have gotten rejections. And I'm not perfect, but I, I think I've really cracked a formula here when it comes to that pitch. And for someone to tell me that they picked me, even though I didn't meet their normal requirements. And actually another one is I had a PR expert. So she's used to sending these pitches and she's used to receiving these pitches. She said to me, Make your pitch was so professional and yet still so pleasant. I actually want to hug you because this is a, like, the best one I've ever received. And for someone who's been in PR for over 10 years to say that to me, I thought, wow, there's clearly something here then. <laughs> um, so yeah, I will be running a masterclass all about crafting the pitch to be able to guest expert on podcasts so that you can actually start building your list attract quality clients and grow your authority in business without having to hire an external PR agent. So, yeah. Okay. And this is a free masterclass. When is this taking place? Yes. So it's going to be happening next week on the 17th of September at 6 p.m. BST, which is going to be 1 p.m. EST and 10 a.m. PST, I believe. <laughs> um, yeah. So the link for that would be masterclass.make sang.com <laughs> so i will send you the link um to pop into the show notes because i just want to make sure that's uh definitely right but <laughs> um but yeah i'm super excited why don't you spell make a sang oh. because there are some silent letters oh, yes, as, there as are, well there are yeah so make a sang is m-a-i-k-e-e-t-s-a-n-g so that is how you spell my name <laughs> right and we will we will link to it in the show notes if you have any interest in this free masterclass that make is hosting and this this masterclass is really kicking off something larger for you and potentially for other copywriters who want to use podcasting as a way to attract consistent leads can you just talk to us a little bit more about what's to come without giving it all away <laughs> so uh, for those who are really interested in adding you know this strategies of guesting on podcasts as an expert to their marketing plan after this masterclass there will be an opportunity to work with me in a group format so I'll be taking um, a small handful of students uh, through the whole process of how you actually refine your message because even before you write a pitch 
you need to be able to hone in on what makes you special, what's makes you going to stand out. And that takes time to be able to do that. And then following that would be about addressing your imposter complex, which will come up and just understanding where it comes from and how to combat that. And then the third module will be all about the pitch and actually crafting your personal pitch because just copying mine isn't necessarily going to help you. The format will but actually making it truly your own is going to make it happen for you. And when you get a yes, because I am that confident, I will help my students to get yeses to their pitches. I want to help you to be able to actually rock the interview. So how you settle your nerves before you go live. <laughs> like before I jumped on the school, I went through my routine, <laughs> that sort of thing. And just being really, uh, being able to actually craft the right call to action that's actually going to make the most sense for you. So it's about being intentional from A to Z for the entire process. So that would be my incubator program. Cool. And what would you say to copywriters who are just like, oh, you know, maybe there are probably two thoughts that come up. It's either I've tried this before and I've been on a couple podcasts, but nothing happened. I didn't get any clients. Like, what's the point? And then the other thought or thought I hear often is, um, you know, like kind of who am I to do this? Um, I'm not May Kay. May Kay is clearly like you're clearly you're comfortable speaking on a mic. You have your own podcast. Um, you have a background in video, which we didn't even really talk about, but it seems natural for you. And I'm glad you're talking about your insecurities that go along with it. But for some other copywriters, they're just like, who am I to do this? I could never do it. So could you just kind of speak to those two, two hesitations that copywriters have? 100%. So when it comes to not getting anything from podcast interview, there are two main reasons why that may be the case. So number one, uh, you pitch to the wrong podcast that actually isn't in alignment with your business or your brand. And therefore, there is no synergy there with what you talked about. And so people you know, if there's no synergy uh, to the actual purpose of the podcast, you're reaching out to the wrong listeners there. So that's one thing. And second thing, your call to action wasn't clear enough as well, because a lot of people would say like, oh, you can find me on this, 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 this. They list like five different ways. And so actually what I like to do is to think of the real, the real reason why I want to, you know, be on a podcast today. So do I want to build my list or do I want to get clients? It really, you really need to be super intentional about that and actually just have one call to action that is super simple that is easy to put in and the host is happy to put into the show notes. It's very rare that a host wouldn't um, put your um, your links in the show notes or anything like that. It's only happened to me once so far and it's, it was a bit of a shock and I was like, okay. <laughs> so I can imagine why nothing kind of came out of that. Um, actually, sorry, there are three reasons as well. So number one, again, is you pitched to the wrong podcast that just isn't in alignment. Two, your call to action is confusing. Or three... Um, it's because you haven't done enough because just thinking that it's going to be make or break for you after one podcast it can happen but it's all about momentum and that's everything in business you just need to be consistent in showing up just as you would on social media on your weekly podcast episode or your weekly video your weekly blog however it is you show up the key is always consistency and this you know there's no um exception to this when it comes to guesting on podcasts so that's what I would say to um, that group of people and for those who think who am I to do this I also thought the same and it's also because you really need to be super willing to go deep into yourself to understand why you even want to do this in the first place because the thing is if you want to guest on podcasts you have something to say and whether you feel you're good enough to do so that is irrelevant what you need to think about is not yourself. It's about who can benefit from what you have to say. 
So I do have a background in public speaking. And the thing that my mentor said to me that really stuck to me, and it will probably stick to you too when I say it out loud, he always, because um, I asked him, how do I get over stage fright? And he said, make a, don't be selfish. And I was like, oh, dude, <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> I mean, ouch, you know, that really hit through, um, that really hit home. But then he was right. I was being selfish. If I was thinking all about me, I wasn't thinking about every single person on the seats in front of me because I'm on stage right now. And I know we're talking about podcasting, so it's a little bit different. But the point is that every single person who who will click on your episode, they want to learn from you. They want to learn about your topic. You have something to say. And if you shield that from them, you're doing a disservice. So actually just taking you out of the equation and think about what's in it for them, not what's in it for me. And that's what helped me to override this um, imposter complex that came up a lot um, during the pitch process. Now that you say that, you know, it's about what's in it for them and not you, I want to ask how has your business benefited uh, in the minute or so that we've got left? You know, what has the what's in it for you actually been? Has it helped your business grow? Mm-hmm. It has. Um, I've actually, um, as of today, when we we're recording this episode, I got invited after doing a interview earlier on today, um, I got invited to do a mastermind um, masterclass like for a for a paid membership sort of thing. So I got invited to um, go in there and I've actually pretty much secured a new client as well for um, a launch. So, you know, don't forget the fact that when you connect to the podcast host, the hosts are also people who could benefit from your services most of the time, especially for copywriters. So don't forget about the host. It's not just about the audience, um, you know, the hosts themselves, you know, they're often a leader in their own right. And they're often going to be a good fit for you if you are super intentional with who you're reaching out to. Yeah. And you will continue to feel the impact of those shows you were a guest on because so many of them haven't even gone live yet. So this is just the beginning for Yeah. This is just the beginning for you and their evergreen content, which is great. Um, So before we wrap, I still want to hear the voice of Stitch. And I feel like I know we're plugging our big event in March, but I feel like we need to share it with people before then. And then you can do it in person in March. Okay. Oh, fine. Okay. So what would you like me to say? Hey, Lilo, um, let's go surfing. <laughs> okay. Hey, Lilo. Okay. <clears throat> Let me channel my inner, inner stitch. Oh, I feel like I'm feeling the performance anxiety. I'm glad you guys can't see me. <laughs> okay. Hey, Lilo, let's go surfing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't say that in the movie. I'm just saying, but you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a little while since I since I watched Lilo in a, or Stitch in a movie. So um, <laughs> yeah, if if people want to connect with you and maybe even hear your Stitch voice in person, Mickey, where should they go? Awesome. So actually, um, I will. I'll tell you this: if you come to my live masterclass that's happening next week, then I will promise to do this in the Q and A section if you ask me. <laughs> um, so you can find me at masterclass.makeasang.com where you'll be able to register. Um, you know, for that class where I'll be breaking down the anatomy of good and bad pitches and so much more. And so I'm trying not to give too many call to actions because that's why I'm just going to go back on my own advice. <laughs> So I'm going to give two. Okay. So one of them is uh, for the masterclass and to find me generally, just find me at makeasang.com is my brand new website, which I'm super excited um, is up and running and you'll find all the information on there for my services, where to find me on social media, as well as my own podcast, the Quiet Rebels podcast. So 
yes, two calls to actions. <laughs> yeah, and, and and just to plug this again, I mean, we we know May Kay personally, so we we believe in anything she creates and this masterclass. Um, but I know from personal experience, you know, when when you get on the right show with the right audience, it can really change your business. And the right show can give you dozens of quality leads that could last for months. I mean, at some point it slows down, but it really can help you get the right people and the projects lined up when you do it the right way. So um, I've, I felt that in my business and make, Hey, I know that's what you want to help other copywriters figure out too through this masterclass and the program that you're creating. So I think it's, this is, you know, this is, this works um, when you figure out how to do it the right way. Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. Thank you, Maykay. This was really wonderful. And thank you for being so open with what's worked and what hasn't worked for your business. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, guys. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.